Hi, listener. Welcome back to Storybooks, a children's bedtime story podcast that celebrates a good night's rest and the magic of stories. Listener, if you'd like to hear your name in a shout out on the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts telling me what you love most about Storybooks and what you'd like to hear next. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And parents, you can find the link in the show notes. Back to our story. Tonight, I will be reading The Little Mermaid, Part 1, by Hans Christian Andersen. In the first part of this tale, we are introduced to the Little Mermaid's beautiful world beneath the waves, in her family's palace at the bottom of the sea. So fluff your pillows, close your eyes, and take a deep breath. Tonight's story goes something like this. The Little Mermaid, Part 1 Far out in the ocean, where the water is as blue as the prettiest cornflower and as clear as crystal, it is very, very deep. So deep that no anchor could reach it. So deep that if many buildings were to be piled one on top of the other from the ocean floor, they would never reach the surface above. There, down below, in the very, very deep, live the sea king in his kingdom. We must not imagine that there is nothing at the bottom of the sea, for on the sand grow the strangest flowers and plants. The slightest ripple in the water causes their leaves and stems to stir, as if they had life. Fishes, both large and small, glide between the branches as birds fly among the trees here upon land. In the deepest spot of all stands the castle of the Sea King. Its walls are built of coral, and the long windows are of the clearest amber. The roof is formed of shells that open and close as the water flows over them. They are very beautiful, for in each lies a glittering pearl which would be fit for the crown of any queen. The sea king had been a widower for many years, and his mother lived with him. She was a very sensible woman, but exceedingly proud of her nobility, and wore twelve oysters on her royal tail, while others of high rank were only allowed to wear six. She was, however, deserving of great praise, especially for her care of the little sea princesses, her six granddaughters. They were lovely and kind children, and the youngest was the littlest of them all. Her eyes were as blue as the deepest sea, and like all the others, she had no feet but a fish's tail. All day long they played in the great halls of the castle or among the living flowers that grew out of the walls. The large amber windows were open, and the fish swam in, just as birds fly into our houses when we leave the windows open. Only the fishes swam up to the princesses, and ate out of their hands, and allowed themselves to be stroked, in the same way that we pet dogs or kittens. Outside the castle there was a beautiful garden, in which grew bright red and dark blue flowers, and blossoms like flames of fire. The fruit glittered like gold, and the leaves and stems waved to and fro, 
Beneath was the finest sand, but blue as the flame of burning sulfur. Over everything lay a blue radiance, as if the blue sky were everywhere, above and below, instead of the dark depths of the sea. In calm weather, the sun could be seen, looking like a reddish-purple flower with light streaming from above. Each of the young princesses had a little plot of ground in the garden, where she might dig and plant as she pleased. One arranged her flower bed in the form of a whale. Another preferred to make hers like the figure of a little mermaid, while the youngest child made hers round like the sun, and in it grew flowers as red as its rays at sunset. The little mermaid was a unique child, quiet and thoughtful. While her sisters showed delight at the wonderful things they found from sunken ships, she cared only for her pretty flowers, red like the sun, and a beautiful marble statue. It looked like a boy, carved out of stone, which had fallen to the bottom of the sea. She planted by the statue a pink weeping willow. It grew rapidly and soon hung its fresh branches over the statue, almost down to the blue sands. It cast purple shadows that waved to and fro like the branches, so that it seemed as if the crown of the tree and the roots were at play with each other. She loved nothing more than to hear about the world above the sea. She made her grandmother tell her all she knew of the ships and of the towns, the people and the animals. To her, it seemed most wonderful and beautiful to hear that the flowers of the land had fragrance while those below the sea had none, that the trees of the forest were green, and that the fishes among the trees could sing so sweetly that it was a pleasure to listen to them. Her grandmother called the birds fishes, or else the little mermaid would not have understood what she meant, for she had never seen birds. When you have reached your fifteenth year, said the grandmother, you will have permission to rise up out of the sea and sit on the rocks in the moonlight, while the great ships go sailing by. Then you will see both forests and towns. In the following year, one of the sisters would be fifteen, but as each was a year younger than the other, the youngest would have to wait five years before her turn came to rise from the bottom of the ocean. However, the sisters promised to tell each other what she saw on her first visit, and what she thought was the most beautiful. The grandmother could not tell them enough. There were so many things about which they wanted to know. None of them longed so much for her turn as much as the youngest. She who had the longest time to wait, and she who was so quiet and thoughtful. Many nights she stood by the open window, looking up through the dark blue water, and watching the fish as they splashed about with their fins and tails. She could see the moon and stars shining faintly, but through the water they looked larger than they do to our eyes. When something like a black cloud passed between her and them, she knew that it was either a whale swimming over her head or a ship full of human beings who never imagined that a little mermaid was standing beneath them, holding out her hands towards their ship. When the eldest turned fifteen, she was allowed to rise to the surface. When she returned, she had hundreds of things to talk about. But the finest thing, she said, was to lie on a sandbank in the quiet, moonlit sea, near the shore, gazing at the lights of the nearby town that twinkled like hundreds of stars 
and listening to the sounds of music, the noise of carriages, the voices of human beings, and the merry ringing of the bells. Because the little mermaid could not go near all these wonderful things, she longed for them all the more. Oh, how eagerly did the youngest sister listen to all these descriptions! And after, when she stood at the open window, looking up through the dark blue water, she thought of the great city, with all its bustle and noise, and even pretended she could hear the sound of the bells down in the depths of the sea. In another year, the second sister was allowed to rise to the surface and swim where she pleased. She rose just as the sun was setting, and this, she said, was the most beautiful sight of all. The whole sky looked like gold, and violet and rose-colored clouds, which she could not describe, drifted across it. And more swiftly than the clouds flew a large flock of wild swans towards the setting sun. She also swam towards the sun, but it sank into the waves, and the rosy tints faded from the clouds and from the sea. The third sister's turn followed, and she was the boldest of them all, for she swam up a river that emptied into the ocean. On the banks she saw green hills covered with beautiful vines, and palaces and castles peeping out from the tall trees of the forest. She heard birds singing and felt the rays of sun so strongly that she had to dive under the water to cool her burning face. In a narrow creek, she found a large group of little human children splashing in the water. She wanted to play with them, but they fled in great terror. And then a little black animal. It was a dog, but she did not know it, for she had never seen one before. Came to the water and barked at her so furiously that she became frightened and rushed back to the open sea. But she said she would never forget the beautiful forest, the green hills, and the children who could swim in the water even though they had no tails. The fourth sister was more timid. She remained in the middle of the sea, but said it was so beautiful there she could see many miles around her, and the sky above looked like a bell of glass. She had seen the ships, but at such a great distance that they looked like seagulls. The dolphins dove in and out of the waves, and the great whales spouted water from their nostrils until it seemed as if there were a hundred fountains in every direction. The fifth sister's birthday was in the winter, so when her turn came, she saw what the others had not. The sea looked green, and large icebergs were floating about, each like a pearl, she said, but larger and bigger than the buildings built by humans. They were of the most unique shapes and glittered like diamonds. She had sat on one of the largest icebergs and let the wind play with her long hair. She noticed that all the ships sailed past very quickly, steering as far away as they could, as if they were afraid of the iceberg. Towards evening, as the sun went down, dark clouds covered the sky, the thunder rolled, and the flashes of lightning glowed red on the iceberg as they were tossed about by the waves. On all the ships, the sails were trembling, while she sat on the floating iceberg, calmly watching the lightning as it flashed into the sea. Each of the sisters, when she first had permission to rise to the surface, was delighted with the new and beautiful sights. Now that most were grown-up girls, and could go when they pleased, they'd become quite indifferent about it. Not long after, 
They said it was much more beautiful down below and more pleasant to be at home. Yet often, in the evening, the five sisters would hook their arms and rise to the surface together. Their voices were more charming than any human, and before a storm, when they feared that a ship might be lost, they swam before the boat, singing enchanting songs of the delights to be found at the bottom of the sea, trying to comfort the sailors, but they could not understand the song and thought it was a storm. When the sisters swam to the surface, arm in arm, the youngest sister would stand alone, watching them disappear above, ready to cry. Only, since mermaids have no tears, she suffered all the more. If only I was fifteen, she said. I know that I will love the world up there and all the people who live in it. At last, finally, she reached her fifteenth year. Well, now you are growing up, said the grandmother. Come and let me adorn you like your sisters. And she placed in her hair a wreath of lilies, of which every flower leaf was half a pearl. Then the grandmother ordered eight great oysters to attach themselves to the tail of the princess to show her royal rank. But they hurt, said the little mermaid. Yes, I know. Pride must suffer pain, replied the grandmother. Oh, how gladly she would have shaken off all the oysters and tossed aside the heavy wreath. The red flowers in her own garden would have suited her much better. But she could not change herself. So she said farewell and rose as lightly as a bubble to the surface of the water. And that's the end of the first part of the story. Thank you for listening, and I wish you the sweetest dreams and a good night.